Hello everybody, you are listening to BibleStudyPodcast.org and I'm Toby Logsdon. Today we're going to be starting our new study on the book of Proverbs. And this is going to be a study that is just real quick and real simple every day except Monday, which is the day we do our Romans podcasts. Uh, but every day, uh, every weekday, except Monday, we're going to have just a, a two to three minute long lesson on Proverbs. Today we're doing our first lesson on uh, Proverbs chapter one, verses one through four. You know, Solomon was the wisest man who has ever lived. But unlike some people who have a lot of money or who own a lot of things, the person who's wise doesn't want to keep it all to themselves. The wise person actually can't stand to see people acting foolishly. So it's appropriate that Solomon, who is the wisest person ever, would do what he could to share his wisdom with as many people as he possibly could. And that's why we have the book of Proverbs. It's Solomon's collection of wise sayings. While the Proverbs didn't all originate from Solomon, the Holy Spirit inspired him to record a collection of wise sayings in writing so that people for generations to come could benefit from that wisdom. The first four verses of Proverbs read, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. Now note that the first verse simply identifies the author as Solomon, the son of King David. Awesome. We need to know that. Why? Because we know that Solomon asked God for wisdom, and God gave him more wisdom than anyone else has ever had. So from there, we find Solomon doing nothing more than telling us what his purposes were in recording all these Proverbs for us. In other words, when we get done reading through this collection of Proverbs, these are the results that the reader should end up with, ideally speaking. So what are these goals? Well, the first is to know wisdom. You see, before you can practice wisdom, you have to know wisdom. You don't have to have a mental grasp on all wisdom, but you can start with some. Some wisdom is just going to be learned through experience, but it's possible for us to know some before we're forced to learn it through the school of hard knocks. Well, let's not overlook the fact that throughout the book of Proverbs, Solomon actually uses a total of six different words which get translated into English as wisdom. And the word that he used here refers to the ability of a person to make the right choice when the right time comes. Well, we all need to learn how to do that, don't we? The problem is that this is something that's not automatic for most of us. We have to acquire that ability. The fact that wisdom is listed first here tells us that it's the most important reason to read and study this book. And that's why this is the first reason that Solomon tells us that he wrote the book of Proverbs. The second reason is to know instruction. Now, not surprisingly, the word that Solomon uses here means much more than just instruction. It means discipline, correction, and chastening. This is a word which refers to the type of understanding that is most likely to bring about the best possible results in any given situation. It's similar to wisdom in that it refers to the ability to approach a situation and respond in the best way possible as a way of assuring the best results possible. Now, while knowing wisdom is theoretical, instruction has far more of a practical emphasis. Remember this, the Bible tells us that 
that God will discipline every child he receives. And so therefore, as a child of God, you can expect to receive discipline in your life one way or another. Me too. The third reason that Solomon gives us for reading and studying Proverbs is to discern the sayings of understanding. When we discern something, we correctly see it as it really is is. After all, what good would it be to read these sayings of understanding and not really understand what they're supposed to be teaching us? We need discernment for that. You know, a lot of people can't correctly understand things that are true, even though it might seem obvious to someone who can correctly discern sayings of understanding. Jesus said, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. So in other words, if you're able to discern correctly, you're blessed. We have to remember that people who aren't Christians aren't going to understand a lot of the things that we as Christians believe. They can't discern the truth because, as Paul told us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Satan, quote, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. But we, too, have to learn how to correctly discern, and that's why this is the third reason that the book was written. The fourth reason this book was written is so that we can receive instruction in wise behavior. The first three reasons Solomon gave were primarily intellectual, things that we just understand with our minds but don't necessarily always put into action. But it's never enough to simply know things intellectually. We have to live out the truths that we know. So whether you're young or old, there will always be temptation to do things that you know you're not supposed to do. The wise person will go with what they know they're supposed to do. Imagine a bank robber who stands before a judge and says, You don't need to send me to jail to teach me that robbing a bank was wrong. I already knew it was wrong before I did it. You know, if we're truly wise, we don't act on our impulses, and we don't act on our temptations to do things that we know we shouldn't do. And that's why that's the fourth reason that this book was written. The fifth, sixth, and seventh reasons for this book are to receive instruction in righteousness, justice, and equity. These are three things that actually land smack dab in the middle of the list of reasons that Solomon gives us for recording these things. Funny how it works out like that, because the goal of these three reasons is also the heart of the whole book. Righteousness, justice, and equity are actually things that characterize God himself, and they set the standard for the way that we're supposed to act toward other people. These terms characterize the person who's living out the wisdom of the Proverbs. And for that reason, those are the fifth, sixth, and seventh reasons that Solomon wrote this book. The eighth reason this book was written is to give prudence to the naive. Now that's a word that describes each of us before we have wisdom. We're naive. Sometimes we feel like we know it all, especially when we're young, but the reality is that it takes a lot of time to really know and understand how everything works or why our parents instruct us the way that they do. Being naive doesn't mean that you're not intelligent or that you're not smart. It just means that you haven't learned yet. Prudence is a little different from wisdom, though. Prudence is a description of our private and hidden thoughts. In other words, it's not always a good idea to say out loud whatever comes to our minds. The person who doesn't know how or when to bite their tongue is naive, which is the opposite of being prudent. And we all start out there, and we all need instruction. That's a pretty good reason to go through and study this book, and that's the eighth reason. The ninth and tenth reasons that this book was written are to give knowledge and discretion to the youth. Knowledge is the beginning of wisdom. You wouldn't build a house without putting down a solid foundation first, right? Well, likewise, you also wouldn't want to try and learn wisdom without having knowledge 
as the foundation. And we're going to learn more about knowledge in our next lesson, so don't file this word away just yet. Discretion, the tenth thing here, is the ability to make plans and act accordingly. It refers to your intentions, whether they're good or bad. Sometimes we have good intentions, and sometimes we don't. When Job said to God, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted, the word purpose there is the same word that gets translated in our text here in Proverbs as discretion. And those are ten reasons to participate in this study every weekday except Mondays. Anyway, I'm Toby Logs, and God bless you guys, and thank you so much for listening today. Keep growing closer to Jesus. I'm Toby Logsdon, and you are getting your daily fix of wisdom on BibleStudyPodcast.org. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 5-8 through 8 says, A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. You see, there are some people in life who are so convinced that they've got everything figured out, they just become unteachable. But there are others who are like a sponge when it comes to instruction and wisdom. They just want to soak it up as much as they can. Such was the case with a man we find in the book of Acts named Apollos. Apollos knew the scriptures very well, and he was really gifted at communicating the truth of scriptures. But the only baptism he knew of was the baptism of John. A couple named Priscilla and Aquila saw Apollos and heard Apollos and knew that he needed to be filled in on some things, and Apollos took their instruction to heart, allowing those who knew more than he did to give him instruction. That's wisdom. Solomon is telling us here that the wise person will not only accept instruction, but they'll also seek it out. That principle unquestionably holds true to this very day. So how do we get started on this journey of gathering wisdom? Well, there's an old saying that every journey of 1,000 miles begins with one step. Well, what this saying fails to mention is that the first step has to be in the right direction, right? The first step in the right direction toward wisdom is the fear of God. Not everyone is willing to take that first step because some people actually hate wisdom and instruction. That's what Solomon's telling us here. Those people want to do things their own way. They don't want to have to fear God. There was an old uh, show a few years ago called Fear Factor in which contestants would have to do things like eat bugs or lay in a bed filled with spiders, things like that. Well, some of the things that they had to do to win on that show were things that most people probably wouldn't do. That was the point of the whole show, right? I mean, they wouldn't think it was worth it to face their fear in order to win. Such is the case with people who hate wisdom and instruction. They don't think it would be worth it to fear God in order to gain wisdom. Now, Solomon isn't saying that we have to fear God the same way that we fear things like you'd see on Fear Factor. Rather, he's just saying that we have to have a respect and a reverence for God. We have to understand that he's God and we're not. 
the biggest mistake that a person can make is to fail to respect God. It doesn't matter how smart they think they are. If they don't have this fear, this respect for God, the Bible tells us that they're as foolish as a person who builds their house on sinking sand. They might be really good at building that house, and that house might be beautiful, but it's not going to last. And last but not least, we have to understand that God gave us parents to have authority over us as we grow in knowledge and wisdom. Your parents were the first authority figures you probably knew. And Solomon's telling us here that we must first respect God and then we must honor and be obedient to our parents. Once we learn how to submit to the authority of our parents, submitting to the authority of God is going to be a lot easier of a mountain to climb. And parents, listen up. This is a call to you too, because you need to be taking the time out every day to instruct and teach your children in the ways of the Lord. This is saying that both the mother and father need to be actively investing their time and energy in their children. Make sure you're doing that on a regular basis daily basis because that'll make your job of instructing them a lot easier and it's going to make their job of soaking up your instruction a whole lot easier too. I'm Toby Logsdon with BibleStudyPodcast.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus. I'm Toby Logsdon, and you are getting your daily fix of wisdom on BibleStudyPodcast.org. Before we start talking about today's passage, let's back up just one verse. In verse 8, Solomon told us that we should hear the instruction of our father and not forsake the teaching of our mother. From there we read in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 9-12, through 12, Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let Let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole, as those who go down to the pit. Now, verse 9 is telling us here, it's giving us the reason for heeding to our parents' teaching and advice. It's because the things that they teach us are things that we'll take with us throughout life. You know, almost nobody actually plans on doing things in life that are bad. Most of us set our sights on something that's honorable. Some people grow up dreaming about becoming a doctor someday. Some people will grow up dreaming about designing video games or being a police officer or becoming a teacher. But somewhere along the line, it's very likely that we'll be tempted to give up on those dreams. The temptation usually comes in the form of a shortcut of some type. People value safety, peer approval, and money, since money actually indirectly provides housing and food for us. And when you get enough people together who aren't reaching the goals that they had set for themselves, it's tempting for them to band together to meet their needs as a group. The fact is that the majority of people who join a gang didn't grow up with the dream of joining a gang someday. Rather, they joined the gang because it was the easiest way to achieve safety, peer approval, and money. Now, there are two sayings that we have to consider here. The first is, misery loves company. And the second is, birds of a feather flock together. And as you go through life, there will be literally thousands of voices calling you to go in different directions, to buy this or buy that or do this or do that. And some of those voices will be people who are miserably unwise. These are the types of people who want to drag everyone else down to their level. Choose your friends wisely. Look to make your closest friends with people who both love and fear God. And maybe, most importantly, 
don't give in to the temptation to do what everyone else is doing, especially when doing what everyone else is doing means doing something that you know you're not supposed to do. If your friends are doing something that you know you're not supposed to follow along with, you probably already haven't heeded the warning that Solomon has for us in this passage. And adults, this goes for us too. If you allow yourself to be consumed with greed, you'll start looking for shortcuts. Did you know that the average American would rather work overtime than spend more time at home with their family? That's because we tend to get stuck in this cycle of constantly wanting more things and therefore needing more money to pay for those things. Consumerism tells us to buy now and pay later, which is very, very unwise advice because it entices us to look for financial shortcuts and it elicits greed on our behalf. Stick to your guns. All of us should stick to our guns. People will respect you for consistently resisting the temptation to participate in wrongdoing. And you'll enjoy success a lot more thoroughly if you don't take shortcuts to get there. I'm Toby Logsdon with BibleStudyPodcast.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus. I'm Toby Logsdon, and this is your daily fix of wisdom on BibleStudyPodcast.org. In our last lesson in Proverbs, Solomon started telling us some of the lines that the sinners will use to entice us to join them. And today he continues, writing, We will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. Of course, this is what they're using to entice us. And then he continues, writing, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. This is what we read in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. You know, Jesus once said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction and there are many who enter through it for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few who find it by saying this Jesus was basically telling us that there are two types of people in the world those who walk the beaten path and those who walk the narrow path of righteousness the sidewalks of the beaten path are littered with promises of prosperity riches power and influence and other types of material gain. And this is a street that ultimately turns into a one-way street that hits a dead end in hell. Solomon tells us that those who are on this path don't just walk toward evil, they're running toward evil. In other words, they have an eagerness for it. The path that leads to righteousness, on the other hand, involves things like submitting to the authority of God, service, and self-sacrifice. The ultimate destination of this path is heaven. And it's not a surprise that the majority of people People are more likely to choose to take the wider, more enticing path than they are to choose the path of righteousness. So who are we associating more closely with? Those on the path that lead to destruction or those on the path that leads to righteousness? Yes, we should be reaching out to those who are on the path that leads to destruction, but we should be calling them over to the path that leads to righteousness. But in doing so, we have to be careful. You see, there are two types of people in the world, thermostats and thermometers. The thermometer is really a non-factor and doesn't actually change anything. It simply measures the temperature rather than bringing about some type of change in temperature. The thermostat, on the other hand, is designed to change the temperatures, designed to bring about change. And when you're reaching out to those on the path that leads to destruction, make sure 
that you're the thermostat in the relationship and not the thermometer. Be the person who influences others to join you on the path that leads to righteousness rather than the person who gets influenced by people on the path that leads to destruction. There's a lot of wisdom in the words of the psalmist who wrote, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Solomon's reminding us here to beware of the dangers of developing relationships Relationships which have the potential to influence us to go in the wrong direction. We're often more susceptible to that than we realize. I'm Toby Logsdon, and this has been your Daily Fix of Wisdom. Keep growing closer to Jesus. I'm Toby Logsdon, and this is your Daily Fix of Wisdom on BibleStudyPodcast.org. Solomon writes, Indeed, it is useless to spread the baited net in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. That's what Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. You know, one of the side effects of taking shortcuts in reaching our goals in life is that we actually load a gun that's destined to backfire on us eventually. There are two ways that people take this passage. First, we could interpret it to be saying that even birds who see a trap being set for themselves are smart enough to know to fly away. Well, what about the person who doesn't fly away? The bird is obviously smarter. The second way that people interpret this passage is to be saying that even though the wild birds sit there and watch a trap get set for them, they end up flying into it anyway. Wild birds are typically very wary, very cautious. They're extremely aware of their surroundings, but that doesn't stop them from flying into a trap that's set for them. And I think the second interpretation is actually the correct one, but either way, Solomon's warning us here of the danger of taking shortcuts in life that involve achieving a goal or obtaining something in a way that doesn't honor God. The point is that using a sinful mean of achieving a goal is ultimately self-destructive. Think about how the world has seen this principle, this very principle, get played out over the last few years. As real estate prices got higher and higher, more and more credit was being given to people and companies who really couldn't afford what they were buying into with that credit. And this created a bubble effect of sorts, which raised the prices of real estate and things even more. But what eventually happened? The bubble popped. The banks, who had been giving easy credit to people who couldn't really afford their purchases, would have collapsed if the government hadn't stepped in to save the big ones. Many smaller banks did collapse. They went after ill-gotten gain, and that plan ended in self-destruction. Or look at Bernie Madoff, who illegally conned billions of dollars out of people. He set an illicit means of success, and eventually it self-destructed. Now he's looking at spending the rest of his life in prison. Solomon's telling us here that if we're taking an easy way out that doesn't honor God, you can expect this type of thing to happen. Instead of taking the easy way out and setting this kind of trap for yourself, honor God through all of your deeds. Paul told his audience, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you're working for the Lord, not for men. And with this in mind, we see the importance of having virtuous qualities like perseverance and integrity. By doing all that you do as if you're doing it for the Lord, you'll avoid falling into a sin that ultimately self-destructs. 
I'm Toby Logsdon with BibleStudyPodcast.org, and this has been your daily fix of wisdom. Keep growing closer to Jesus.